about, you'll find that your paradigms, which are the mental lenses that you look through to see the world, your perception of things, your views on things, your political views, your views on society, whatever they are, you'll find out that those things were shaped by words that you heard and believed. Say it with me, heard and believed. So be careful how you hear because what you hear and believe shapes your life. If it shapes it on the inside, it will manifest it on the outside. Now, in my estimation, we live in a time of great, great negativity. Negativity abounds. You turn on the news, you know, whichever side you're watching your news from, uh, the news is 99% negative. You talk to secular people and interact with secular people in the world, most people, uh, more than half of the people you talk to, will have a negative slant to their conversation, a negative bend to their mindset and their outlook. And negativity is dangerous because negative words produce fear. And when we talk about fear, fear is not just this benign thing, you know? A lot of people, they consider fear and they just think, oh, it's just, you know, a benign thing. There's nothing really dangerous about it. But fear is very dangerous because fear is simply faith inverted. Uh, Many believers don't know this, but fear is Satan's counterpart. To faith. Both fear and faith operate according to the same set of spiritual laws. And to give you an example, both faith and fear come by hearing. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Fear comes by hearing words that are contrary, that contradict the word of God. And both faith and fear will bring manifestation. Standing in faith will bring a manifestation of the promises of God in your life. You know, you hear a promise from God and you receive it and you stand on it in faith and you live long enough, you will walk into that thing manifesting in your life. Same thing with fear. Fear will bring the manifestation of torment. In Job 3.25, when Job talks about his trouble, he said, you know what? It's true. He said, the thing I feared the most came upon me. In other words, he, he was fearing something and holding something in his mind in fear for so long that when his time of calamity came, it could have been any calamity, but it was the calamity that he feared the most. He actually manifested his own calamity by operating in fear. Now, what are you, it's a personal question, don't shout it out, but what are you afraid of? What's your, what's your deepest fear today? Whatever it is, if you trace it all the way back, it started with a negative word. Whatever fear you're dealing with, 
it started with a negative word, whether that word came in thought form, whether that word came from something somebody said to you, whether it came from something you read about somebody that was going through something similar to what you're going through now 25 years ago, and what happened to them could happen to you because it was the same circumstances. Whatever it is, you can trace it back to a word that produced that fear. And I, I want you to do an internal diagnostics. Are you allowing a steady stream of negative words that produce fear to permeate your consciousness and your waking hours to the point that your life is manifesting problems instead of the blessings of God? Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they, okay? As, are, as a person thinks, so he is, or so is he, that, that the isness of your life and the nowness of your life is a direct result of how you've been thinking prior to this moment. Now, I got a good note for you I want you to, to, to hold. Fear is an access point for the enemy of your soul to operate in your life. Fear is an access point for the enemy of your soul to operate in your life. Fear restricts God's access to your mind. I'm going to say it again because it's good. Fear restricts God's access to your mind. Faith, on the other hand, restricts the enemy's access to your mind. You can do a whole lot of spiritual warfare simply by just standing in faith because the person standing in faith has restricted the enemy's access to their mind. So if all hell is breaking loose in your life, like if you've just been going through it, stop trying to spot check problems and, and look back and get a bird's eye view and, and find out the areas where you're just operating out of fear and operating in fear. Now, let's take this thing with fear a little bit deeper. Just so you know that it's not benign. Fear and unbelief are two sides of the same coin. Anywhere you have fear, you'll have unbelief. Anywhere you have unbelief, you'll have fear. In Matthew 13, 58, when Jesus went to his hometown, uh, earlier in the chapter, the townspeople, they were afraid of him. Uh, one text says suspicious. Uh, one text says afraid. They were afraid of him because uh, they knew he was a controversial figure and they didn't want his presence in the city to attract negativity from the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. So they started out afraid of him. But then in Matthew 13, 58, look at what it says. It says, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Because wherever you see fear, you'll also see unbelief. Now, the number one fear that Satan tries to put on Christian people is the fear that the promises of God will not work for you in this situation. It's the number one fear. So, you know, you're going through something 
and God sends you a word through the preacher or sends you a word through your devotion or sends you a word from somebody that speaks directly to that situation you're going through. And the number one thing the enemy tries to do when you get a word that is targeted for your situation is the enemy likes to come and say, yeah, but that won't work for this or that won't work in this condition or this circumstance. That won't work for you. He wants you to be in a time where you need supply and you need blessing and you need increase. And he wants you to hear Philippians 4:19, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. And he wants you to hear that and need that, but fear that that won't apply in your situation. And this is what causes backsliding of Christians. Church has made backsliding all about morals for so long, and the enemy loves it when we do it because he keeps people deceived. Backsliding is, is, is no more complicated than just going back when you should be either standing your ground or going forward, okay? That's all backsliding is. But what causes Christians to backslide is not that we're not receiving the word of God. It's that when the word comes, we're not mixing our faith with it. Many times we're still paralyzed in fear because of what we've seen in the natural. And the word does not benefit us because we don't reach for it in faith. The same thing happened to the children of Israel. Hebrews 4, 2 says that the word that was preached to them did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in those that heard it, okay? So notice how dangerous this is. You know, I really want to put a big sign on this fear thing. Notice how dangerous this is. To fear that God's word is not going to come to pass, you also have to flip that coin around and realize when you fear that it won't, you're also standing in unbelief that it won't. To say I'm afraid that it won't is the same thing as saying I believe that it won't. Okay. There's no such thing as a non-believer. Let's dispel that. There's no such thing as a non-believer. When you hear the word of God toward your situation, you either believe that it will work, or you believe that it will not work. There is no in-between. And the reason why unbelief is so dangerous is Revelations 21.8. Look what it says. Revelation 21, verse 8. But the fearful... And Notice how they're always tied together. You see that in the text? In fact, you look sleepy. Read it with me. But the and, all right, and the abominable murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's why fear is so dangerous. 
because when you partner with fear, you have partnered with unbelief. And I'll remind you how you got saved as a Christian, according to Romans 10. You confessed with your mouth what you believed in your heart concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And when God saw your belief, your faith, God granted you salvation. But unbelief is dangerous because the enemy will start working with you in unbelief as it relates to your practical circumstances. But if you stay in unbelief so long, you start thinking, well, if my life has turned out like this and I'm a believer, maybe there's nothing to any of this anyway. And you start slowly backsliding as a Christian. And this is how people lose their salvation. It's not because uh, of their moral failings or their issues or problems or weaknesses. People lose their salvation when they lose their faith. Okay. And people lose their faith because of fear and unbelief. Okay. Now, again, wherever there's fear, there's also unbelief. Wherever there's unbelief, there's also fear. They're always tied together. Mary and Martha did not want Jesus to roll away Lazarus' stone. Why? Because they were afraid that Jesus couldn't raise Lazarus. They were afraid he couldn't raise Lazarus because they were standing in unbelief. Wherever there's fear, there's always unbelief. So the question is, what part of the word of God toward your life are you afraid won't come to pass? Listen, I want you to think about this now. Where does your faith stop okay, and your unbelief kick in? Because whatever part of the word of God that you're afraid won't come to pass in your life is a part of the word of God where you are standing in unbelief. So here we go, buzzard hunting. Stop allowing fear to rob you of God's promise and his power in your life. To every buzzard whispering in your ear that you are not going to make it. To every buzzard whispering in your ear that this is the situation that you're not going to be able to overcome. Or you're not going to be able to make it through. You have to take a stick, a rod of correction, the scripture calls it. And you've got to beat that buzzard back with the word. You have to take authority over thoughts with words because spoken words are more powerful than thoughts. You take authority over fearful thoughts by speaking the word of God. I choose to believe God. I choose to resist the devil. I choose to say things like the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom should I be afraid. This is the only way to resist fear. This is the only way to push back negative words is you have to use your mouth, open it wide and speak the word of God. 
Psalm 27, 13. Look at this. This is amazing to me. This is amazing to me. David said, I had fainted. Unless that, that Hebrew word there for fainted means he literally came right to the point of death. Like when you see a candle and it, it's flickering, and it's just about to go out. You know, David, David uses this Hebrew word that describes that right before the candle goes out. He said, right before my life was about to go out, I, I, had, I had got to that point. But then he says, I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And the juxtaposition between these two things is amazing to me because David in his natural circumstances is going through a situation that literally is about to kill him. And so what he's seeing on the outside with his natural eyes is something that's killing him. But then he looks over and he sees the goodness. Now, where did he see the goodness? From the word of the Lord. It was studying the word of the Lord that told him about the goodness. So now he's got a choice. Go through this thing in the natural that's killing him or put his focus and his eyes on the goodness. And he said, I hadn't seen it yet, but I believed to see. I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord. And the more he got to looking at the goodness, his situation in the natural started losing its power to kill him. And the candle flame that was about to go out started shining brighter and brighter just because in a bad situation, a man started looking at the goodness. You know what? I believe I'm going to see some goodness. It, things real bad right now, but I believe I'm going to see some goodness. Things, things hurt real bad right now, but I, I believe I'm going to see some goodness. And I want to tell everybody in a real bad mess in your life right now, let me give you some news. The goodness is coming. If the goodness is in the word of God and you have faith in the word of God, the goodness is coming. Everybody struggling in your marriage, listen to me. The goodness is coming. If you're struggling in your finances, listen to me. The goodness is coming. If you're struggling in your mental health, listen to me. I got some news for you. The goodness is coming. You are going to see the goodness. Look over at somebody and tell them the goodness is coming. The goodness is coming. David started looking at the goodness so much, he wrote another psalm about it in Psalm 23. He said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I got some more news for you. Goodness is following you. It's not a one-time event. It's following you. Goodness, goodness, the goodness of God. Listen, the goodness of God is its own thing. The goodness of God is its own blessing. God told me to come in here and beat the negative bird off you and tell you that his goodness is going to manifest in your life. Somebody holler, the goodness. Oh, help me preach today. Holler, the goodness is coming. Look over somebody across the aisle and holler real loud. The goodness is coming. The goodness is coming. The goodness is coming. Now I went and I, I went and I dusted off my stick. 
Because I've been listening to prognosticators lately. Financial and economic experts. Credible news outlets. Predicting that the next 10 years are going to be 10 years of difficulty. 10 years of lack. 10 years of shortages. 10 years of supply chain issues. Then I have heard respected, true, honorable prophets prophesy and say the same thing. I've seen churches I respect and revere telling their people to buy sheds for their backyards and begin to store non-perishables because shortages and lack is coming. I do not dishonor your prophetic office. I do not rail against your gift. However, I have the spiritual authority over this house and over these people. So I thought I would add my voice to the equation. I feel my apostolic jumping in me right now. Hallelujah. I saw in the spirit Satan himself drawing back an arrow in his bow, aiming it at believers. And this specific arrow was the arrow of the fear of lack. Everybody say the fear of lack. Because the enemy may not be able to pull our chain with a lot of fears, but if he starts messing with our finances and messing with our stuff and threatening our income and threatening our ability to put food on the table, that's a fear a lot of people are susceptible to. So the Lord told me to get my stick and come in here and tell you to say a few things. We're going to say them together. Say, I believe I'm going to run over with supernatural supply. I have no fear of running out. Everybody on my street might run out, but I believe I am running over with supernatural supply. I have no fear of running out. Then he told me to say, yes, yes, yes. I'm not blind. I'm not stupid. I'm not, my head's not in the sand. Yes, the world is experiencing shortages. But there is no shortage in the kingdom of God. You ain't saying it. Yes. The world is experiencing shortages. But there is no shortage. I said there is no shortage. Oh, you don't hear this preacher. I said there is no shortage. I wish somebody would wake it up and scream with me. I said there is no shortage. You don't realize it, but you're prophesying over your family. You're prophesying over your future. You're prophesying over next year. I said, there is no. 
and no shortage in the kingdom of God. And I live oh, in that kingdom. Now, you live in the United States. No, I reside in the United States. But I walk, move, live, and have my being in Jesus Christ and in his kingdom. And in that kingdom, I'm going to say it one more time. I said in that kingdom, there is, there is, there is, there is no short. I wish somebody give God a praise right there. No shortage. No shortage. No shortage. What's that mean? That means there may be shortage all over your city, but in your house, there's going to be overflow. There may be shortage all over your nation, but in your house. I ain't called to speak to nobody else but who God's given me spiritual authority to. And everybody else, if they want to, can go to hell in a handbasket as the days of the earth wax worse and worse. But as for me and my house, we live in a different kingdom. There will be no. Where'd you get that, Pastor Sides? I dare you speak against all them other prophets. I'm not speaking against those prophets. They're telling the truth. They're just not telling the truth for you. I'm telling the truth. Isaiah 59.1. Let me prove it. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. Let's do a little deductive reasoning. There may be problems with the supply chain that brings us food. But here's the thing. If I can't get my food from the supply chain, I can get my food from his hand. Because his hand is not shortened if he has to reach his hand and scoop some food up for me and drop it in my living room that's what he'll do to keep his promise and his hand is not do you remember when the whole nation was in a famine nobody was eating people were cooking their kids and eating donkey's heads and dove's dung and all that there was one man in the entire nation staying by a hidden brook nobody knows about. And ravens were bringing him meat, you know, steak, chicken, lobster, all that, two times a day. And bread. If God has to find us hundreds of hidden brooks 
and has to send ravens to drop us food. There may be shortage everywhere else, but there will be no shortage. Deuteronomy 2.7. Deuteronomy 2.7. Deuteronomy 2.7. For the Lord thy God hath blessed. Oh, my God. For the Lord thy God. This is past tense. For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. Look at both of your hands. Say this with me. My hands. Are you tired? Don't let me be the only one screaming today. My hands have been blessed by God Almighty. Whatever I put my hand to will prosper. Well, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to give you a chance to warm up your spirit on that. Look at your hands. Not your neighbor's hands. Not your kid's hand. Look at your hands. My hands have been blessed by God Almighty. Whatever I put my hands to shall prosper. Now take those blessed hands that you're looking at and put them together and give God a mighty shout. Deuteronomy 2, 7, the B part of it. He says... He's blessed all the work of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness these 40 years. The Lord thy God hath been with thee, and thou hast. You reading this text for me? It said, Lord's been with you, and you have. There wasn't no supply chain in the wilderness. Wasn't no cargo ships in the wilderness. Wasn't no 18-wheelers bringing goods in the wilderness. All they had in the wilderness for 40 years was God all by himself. And what I'm telling the news and the prophets is if God could sustain Israel for 40 years with no grocery stores, no supply chains, no hospitals, no medicine, if he could take care of them for 40 years in a wilderness and take care of them so good that they lacked nothing, I refuse to to stand here in 2021 about to go into 2022 and fold my faith on God my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory and we shall lack no thing I need you one more time to stand up on your feet clear your throat Say it as loud as you can. We're making an announcement to the heavens. We're making an announcement to our atmosphere. We're making an announcement to our crown. We shall lack no thing. Now give God a praise in the house. Nehemiah 9.21. Nehemiah 
921, therefore you delivered them into the hands of their, that's 27, go down to 21, Nehemiah 921. 921, 921. 921, 921, 921, 921. I'm See, you think I'm just saying some encouraging stuff. This is the word line by line. This is just over and over and over again instances of God doing what God does. Don't you dare let that lack and shortage spirit creep into your ear gate and find rest in your soul. I don't care how anointed they are. I'm going to say it like Paul. I don't care if an angel from heaven comes down and tells you to prepare for 10 years of doom and gloom. My God is the God of more than enough. 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. And they lacked. I ain't just talking about finances. I'm talking about you lacking. Now remember, when, when a word comes, only one or two things answer it. It's either that fear thing, and that, that coin of fear and unbelief, or it's faith. That preacher just showed me scriptures in the Bible on the big screen and screamed the truth of them to me. Now I'm sitting here and I got a decision to make. Do I believe that God can bless me in a way that when the rest of the world is going crazy and falling apart, I stand flat-footed and lack I will not lack health. I will not lack health. Feel that in my spirit. I will not lack health. No, no, no. Uh, Nehemiah 9.21. We, we didn't squeeze the juice out of that. You sustained them. They lack nothing. Let me see the next part. Their clothes did not wear out. And their feet didn't even swell. We will lack nothing. We will not lack health. We will not lack opportunity. Stop worrying so much about getting fired. If they fire you, the same God that made them hire you will make somebody else hire you. We will not lack opportunity. Feel the glory of the Lord. We will not lack opportunity. Opportunities dropping in this place right now. An anointing of opportunity. It's just falling down right now. You can feel it in the spirit. Opportunity is raining. It's a blessing from God. Give it praise in the house. Give it praise in the house as opportunities fall. 
as your phone number starts getting called, as people start sending you offers, as business opportunities open up, it's raining! We will not lack health. We will not lack opportunity. We will not lack mental stability. We will not lack healthy relationships. No lack, no lack. Now it's one thing for me to say it and say it with faith and say it with conviction, but if I could get about 50 of y'all to say it with me with the same faith, with the same intensity, with the same conviction, if I could get 20 crazy people to get a little bit of room and some wide crazy look in your eye and say, no lack, no lack, no lack, no lack, no lack for my house, no lack for my children, no lack for my grandchildren, no lack for my church, no lack. If you're having trouble, say it till you feel it. If you're being threatened, say it till you feel it. No lack, no lack, no lack, no lack. Oh, I feel a praise coming. I said, I feel a praise coming. I feel a face shout coming. I feel a glory coming. I feel a deliverance coming. I feel a breakthrough coming. I feel fear falling. I feel faith rising. with you so I want everybody in the room that feels it to get that stick up like this and on the count of three we're gonna say no lack three times and every time we say it you can beat the hell out of that buzzard however you want to if you want to come straight down if you want to go side to side if you want to do an uppercut however you want to do it get that fist up get that fist up say it with me in the name of Jesus I decree over my life. I decree over my future. I decree over my family. There shall be no lack, no lack, no lack. Give him praise all over the house.
Somebody shout. Somebody dance. Somebody get that stick.
whether it's the devil through the news, the radio, your friends at work, or people on social media. The next time that devil tries to give you the idea Come on. that lack is coming your way, in the spirit, take out that stick I gave you. And beat those words back. We live in a kingdom of increase. We live in a kingdom of faith that at every turn mocks, makes fun of, and ridicules fear. I've never seen a time in the body of Christ over last year and this year where the people of God, given his word to stand upon, have been so susceptible to the arrows of fear. But now is the time for a remnant, a small group among many, for a remnant to rise up that is simply not afraid. What a novel idea. A remnant to rise that is simply not afraid because we believe in the goodness. Psalm 34. To my text. David is standing in the clutches of Abimelech, his arch enemy at the time. Abimelech strips him of his horse. That's why later in the text he writes that horses are of no value. He strips him of his army. He strips him of his weapons. And Abimelech holds David captive with spears around him and arrows aimed at his head. And the Bible says that in that moment, David feigned. He pretended to be a madman. He started foaming at the mouth, shaking his head wildly and hopping around. Even started singing a little bit. And for the Philistines, it was a bad omen. It was considered a bad omen to kill a person who was mentally impaired. So they they looked at David and Abimelech said, get out of my sight, leave. And when David left, he went straight to the temple. And he asked Abathar for a pen. And he wrote these words. I will bless the Lord. At all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked at him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried. I cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps 
around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And he's writing this because he's hoping that the people reading it will take it to heart enough to get to experience one day in their lives what he's experienced in his. And so he says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. In a pandemic, there is no want to those who fear him. In an economic crisis, there is still no want to those who fear him. The young lions, which is the most powerful animal in the animal kingdom, even the young lions, with all of their natural strength, they lack and they suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Not some random TV prophecy this was. Do you love it? Did it bless you? Do you value it? Do you put more importance on it than what others are saying? This is your heritage. This is who you are. You are who God says that you are. Let the storms rage. Let the crisis come. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Let the trials and the threats, let it all come. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any. Give the Lord one more praise. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the spirit that your word has released in this room will become the dominant spirit in the minds and the lives of your people. Lord, I pray that you remind them on a daily basis that those who seek the Lord shall lack no good thing. I pray your blessing over them, God, right now from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. And I pray you go with them. That you make their way clear and you make every crooked place straight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sit down for 30 seconds. Jubilee in Exodus 25 is the year of release. Uh, Leviticus 25, the year of release. Three things were released during Jubilee. 
Four things, really. Number one, a shout was released because Jubilee had to be declared. We're going to come in here Wednesday night, and we're going to lift up a, yes. a shout that's been bottled up for three days. So I want you to spend the next three days bottling up your shout. And on Wednesday night, we're going to let it out and announce Jubilee. Three things happened. There was the release of prisoners. Yes. There was the release of property. There was a release of prosperity. He said the prisoners have to go free. You're going to see in this house, people that go to this church, loved ones are going to come out of jail much sooner than expected. I know who that's for. Tell me when it happens. When Jubilee hits, there's going to be a release. Number two, property had to be released. The land had to go back to its original owner. Pastor Coco told you something beautiful about that Wednesday night. We've seen it in the news. The natural is corresponding to the spirit. Yes, yes. And then prosperity was released. They were commanded during Jubilee not to go out and work hard and work the field and, and plant. So God said, I'm going to let what grows wild. In other words, what grows without you sowing and reaping. He said, I'm going to let that grow so much that it feeds you more in a year of rest and release than you could feed yourself in a year of work. That's an uncommon release of prosperity. Everybody say a release, release. of prisoners, Prisoner. a release of property, a release of prosperity. prosperity. It's Pastor's Appreciation Month. Okay, stop. Hold on. I love your cards. I love your calls, texts, social media posts. Yeah. It means a lot to me. What means more to me is when you show up. Conference is coming. If it rains, bring an umbrella. I want every one of you, even those of you that I don't, I don't even know. I want you here. Everyone say this Wednesday. This Wednesday. Like all y'all in the back and all y'all over there and way up in the balcony. Say this Wednesday. This Wednesday. This Thursday. This Thursday. Be here. Be here. And bring an umbrella. Bring an umbrella. No excuses. Make it a priority. Be here. We plan these things on the altar of prayer for you. This ain't for me. It's for you. I want you to come. You don't have to bring anything. You don't have to give. I just want you to be here. Yeah. So be here Wednesday and Thursday, okay? All right. The Lord bless you. If you have an offering you want to give, you can give it on your phone or you can bring it up to the front. May the Lord God strengthen you. May his face shine upon you. May he give you peace. May you be blessed in the city and in the field and your uprising and your downsending. May you be a lender and not a borrower. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Be here Wednesday, Thursday. Your goodness is running.